really what we're going to be talking about tonight is out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, where your treasure is, there your heart is also, that one really first, then out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And then finally culminating in the production of fruit with, you'll know them by their fruits. All three statements were made by Jesus in Matthew in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. So, uh, let's, let's bow our heads in prayer real quick. Father, I just praise You for the opportunity to, to just come and, and uh, minister to these people. Lord, I just ask that Lord, You would set me aside and You would speak to their hearts. Lord, I pray that You would open their hearts, that You would work up the ground, that, that Your Word would take root in a good soil. Lord, I just ask that uh, if there would be anybody in here that is not saved, Lord, that You would bring them today. Lord, because You said today is the day of salvation. We praise You. We love You. We lift You up on high, Lord. In Your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Alright, so before I read this, well, let me read the Scriptures first. Uh, the first Scripture is Matthew 6.21. I actually marked them this time. Okay, this is Jesus speaking. Remember, He's speaking at uh, it's the Sermon on the Mount. And He says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Pretty easy statement to pick up on. We'll get up on it in just a second. Then flip to Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. We're going to flip pretty quickly and then get back to the first one. Brood of vipers, how can you be, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then Matthew chapter 7, verses 16. And this is the one I'll spend probably the majority of the time really teaching on, preaching on tonight. Matthew 7, 16 through 20. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. So in these three Scriptures, um, you get to see a little bit of the repentant heart or the not repentant heart. So first, you know, must know you're saved. And I'm going to share a little story real quick about repentance. Um, so I want each one of you guys to picture in your mind, close your eyes, picture in mind your very favorite person here on earth. Raise your hand when you got it. Okay, go ahead and put your hands down. Now, I'm going to picture this as my dad. It's going to be through my, my father. But I want you to picture your favorite person in this position. Now, in this country, it's illegal to do drugs. And you are caught by the police doing drugs. The penalty for such is death. So you're picked up for dealing drugs. You're taken to the courthouse. And you're put in the jail cell. You're awaiting your trial. And 
your favorite person. My father comes in and he pleads with the judge and the judge says, there's nothing that I can do. The law is the law. The law says this requires death. And so your father goes away and he studies. He studies the law. He comes back just a few hours later and he says, Judge, it says that it requires death, but it doesn't say that it requires his death. And the judge says, well, what are you supposing? And he says, well, I'll take his place. I'll take his place and I'll take his death for the penalty that is due him. And he says, well, I'll have to think about it. Give me two days. So two days go by. Meanwhile, you're still in jail. Remember this. Two days go by. He goes back. The judge has made a decision. He says, you're right. It says that it requires death. It just doesn't require his death. So I'll allow you to step in and take his place. So he's taken into custody and he's put in jail. And they come to your cell and they open the door, open the door and they say, you're free to go. And you're saying, what in the world? I was getting ready to die. And they tell you, your father, he came in and took your place. He's going to die for you. Now, by show of hands, which one of the people in here would not go to their father and beg for forgiveness? I didn't think so. Every one of you in here would go to that person in your life and you would beg them to forgive you for what you did. Number two thing, after your father is put to death, by a show of hands in here, which person in here would ever want to walk down that same road that got you put in jail in the first place? That's a repentance. That's a repentant heart. That feeling you just had, that heart drop, the thought of having to turn and walk back down the same road that your father died for, that's a repentant heart. That gut-wrenching, I can't stand the feeling. Now, that's pretty extreme. You guys can open your eyes again if you have them closed. <laughs> Good obedience. Anyways, you're not going to be perfect at it, but I want you to understand it takes repentance first. You must have the repentant heart before you understand what we're going to talk about here. So if you have not been saved, I'm begging you and so is Jesus Christ, be saved today. Give up the ghost and come to Him because you will bend your knee to Him and you will confess your mouth to Him one day. It will come. Whether it's today or whether it's after you die, you will do it. Trust me, it's better to do it today than it is that day. That being said, um, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It's really simple. This, this Scripture is simple. What do we treasure, people? As Christians, what are you treasuring? Is it your house? Is it your job? Is it your spouse? Kids? Car? Clothes? Friends? 
I mean, what is it? What is it that you're treasuring? Whatever you spend the most of your time thinking and money, all of that on, that's what you're treasuring. Now, I know that's a pretty hit in the stomach because it is for me too. But do we spend that much time on thinking on what Jesus said? Spend that much time in God's Word? What are we treasuring? For out of the treasure, the what? Okay. Remember that we are supposed to be seeking God first. Seek Him first. Seeking His kingdom first. And then what does He say? And all these other things that you worry about, your job, your wife, your marriage, your kids, all of those things, what would He say? He says, it will be added unto you. But seek Me or seek My kingdom first. Okay? The second Scripture is out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So, combining that Scripture with the one before, if what you're treasuring is what you spend most of your time doing, what is coming out of your mouth? This is a chance. This, you know, last time I preached, I think I need to say this. Last time I preached, I preached on blessed assurance. And the big knock on blessed assurance is that people think, well, you sound like you can just live whatever you want, you can do what you want, and God rubber stamps it and you're in. No! That's not a repentant heart. That's a person that says, well, I want a free ride to heaven, and hey, that's the way. That's not a repentant heart. But out of the abundance of the heart, what's in the heart is what really matters. You know, you can fake your way through life for a while. You can be my friend and act like you're my friend, spend a little bit of time with me and kind of come off like you're my friend, but eventually how you really feel about me is going to come out. It's going to come out in your actions. It's going to come out in words. It's going to come out in the time that you spend with me. All of those things come out. You can't keep them in. It's not possible. It's just like I talked to Joplin before. If you ever become a preacher and God gives you something to preach, trust me, it will come out. Even if you don't want it to. Even if your wife doesn't want it to. It's coming out. I feel bad for Jamie because when God gives me something to preach about, it's hard to keep it inside and she's the one that gets vomited on. It just comes out. Anyways. But, remember that this is a progression. So what we're really talking about leading up to the last set of Scriptures is at first it was repentance. So you have to be saved. And then we get into it's sanctification. And I want to give you a little bit of a picture before I get into the tree and fruit about sanctification. And it has to do with a, a diamond. Any here, anybody in here like diamonds? All the girls raise their hand. Okay. How many people in here 
think that a diamond looks the way it does on your ring or on your necklace when it comes out of the ground. No, nobody does. In fact, the diamond is so dirty that it needs a bath. There's uh, salvation. The master jeweler pulls it out of the earth, the original creation, and he buzz what? He puts it in the bath. He cleans it. Immediately coming out of the bath, he does what? He takes a knife or something that's sharp enough to cut. I don't remember what it's called. To cut the diamond, he starts to shave it. Cutting it. He's cutting off all the dirty parts that weren't flawed. That's sanctification. He then, once he gets it cut and molded in the shape that he wants, there's a purpose for this, people. Once he gets it in that shape, he then takes a, a piece of fine sandpaper and he starts to scratch it all over. Anybody in here feel like they're getting scratched by God? The sanctification. There's a purpose for it. It's not to punish you. But he's scraping off. And then he takes the buffer and he finally buffs it out and it's really shiny. But there's something specific about the diamond. It's good with gold, but the diamond is better. If I took a piece of quartz and a diamond and I put them in a completely dark room and I had you come in and feel each one, could you tell the difference if you couldn't see them? Nope. Cut identically, feel identically. So what is it that makes the diamond so valuable? It's the light. And what does a diamond do? It shines the light. Is it its own light? No. It is an external light. Obviously, when you walk through the mall, you have to put your sunglasses when you buy the jewelry stores. There's a reason for that. Because it reflects the light. That's you. That's sanctification. He's cutting you. He's shaping you. Shaping you into His mold. So that He can shine His light off of you onto a unsuspecting world. That's sanctification. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that with the third set of Scriptures. But first, we need to discuss what the heart is. When the Bible says heart, most of the time, at least in the New Testament, it is not talking about the beating flesh heart. It is talking about what the Bible in the Greek says is a cardia. I hope I'm saying that right. Cardia is where we get the word cardiac and cardiovascular from. Although those are towards the fleshly, it actually is ha- it has a meaning of where the mind, the will, and the emotions are seated. It is the center, the you that makes you, you. Okay? Your soul. The suke. I've heard you preach about the suke before. That's what it is. Okay? And the first two Scriptures, they give you a chance. Jesus is giving you a chance. 
as a saved person and as a non-saved person to look at your heart and see what is coming out. He's giving you an opportunity to actually view yourself. You can say you're saved and not really be saved. You can say I'm not saved and really be saved. It really matters what's in here. And what's in here will prove itself out. There's a song. uh, I think it's a little kid's song. But it has the same thing to do with faith. Once you place your hope and your faith in, your feet will prove it out. You'll walk that direction. Not because you have to. Not because it's a thumb-down rule, mom and dad are going to kick you down the hallway kind of thing. If you don't, you'll do it on your own because you want to. Now, Matthew seven sixteen through 20, Jesus talks about a tree and its fruit, and He says, you'll know them by their fruit. But I want you to understand a little bit more about trees because it's pretty awesome. I'm a, I'm a, I don't know, I guess you'd call me an apologist, an apologetic style preacher, but I love to see God's Scripture and how He works it out in what He created. And in the United States, in my opinion, we have a bunch of trees that have very shallow roots. So first we're going, to set, uh, we're going to discuss the importance of sanctification in your life involved with deepening your roots. But as uh, the very first uh, Sunday school lesson I did here was about uh, the vine and the uh, branches and uh, abiding with Christ. And I taught a little bit about this. And in that study, I found a set of trees that live in England. They're very massive trees, like four to five foot around. I can't remember the name. I couldn't find it for some reason. My phone really is terrible. But I did find it. You can trust me. (laughs) And because of the climate and how much it rains there, that tree never has to struggle for water. Never. So the roots, they all, instead of digging down, they fan out. They go out and out and out. But they're right on top of the, on the ground. And it's such a big tree that if just like a 15 to 20 mile an hour wind blow on it, bam, it comes down. That is today's Christianity in the United States. Because nobody wants to suffer. There's a purpose for the sanctification. Some of the deepest rooted trees, in fact, I looked up the deepest one I could find, was 61 feet deep. That's a long ways down for a tree root. Guess where it was? It was in the middle of the desert. There was nothing on top for it, and it had to dig for the water. Jesus said, I am the the water of life. As the tree, your roots, you are the tree, pictured in that scripture. The roots is your faith. And when your faith is bound up or it, it becomes difficult, your roots will start to dig down 
to find that water. There's a purpose for the sanctification. Because sooner or later, your roots will dig so deep that it will tap into the water of life. And when it taps into the water of life, your tree will produce fruit. But it won't just produce fruit. It will produce fruit in the worst, baddest drought there ever was. And people will look at you and go, how is that possible? We are in the middle of a disaster and this person here is just blooming fruit. Because of the sanctification, that's why that's possible. That's where, we're, that's where God is taking us. But most of us, we struggle during that time. That time we start wondering, where is God in all this? I'm telling you, don't lose hope. There is water. The soil that you're digging through is God's Word. You dig into God's Word. And as you dig down through the soil of God's Word, you will find hope. You will find water that is there on your way to the water of life. The main aquifer that will sustain you through the worst of drought. But there are certain things. You've got to remember that, you know, like Josh, like Christian, like my new daughters, as a fruit tree, it takes a while for them to produce fruit in the natural. Why would it be different in the, in the spiritual? It takes a while. They have to mature. That doesn't mean that there won't be a, a flower here and there because most fruit trees flower. But I did a study and the shortest amount of time that I could find was a citrus tree. Oranges, grapefruit, those trees will produce fruit within one to two years of being planted. The longest was a pecan tree. Could take up to 10 to 20 years to produce fruit. That's a long time. And I'm not saying, don't. that is not an excuse for the lack of fruit coming out in your life. I'm saying that we should look at that and go, you know, sometimes it takes a while to be mature. Most of us as adult people have a hard time with being mature Christians. And there are times when a storm comes. Remember that storms will come. Some of them brought by God. Some of them brought by your disobedience. Some of them just because we live in a cursed world. But storms will come. Jesus said, you can expect trouble. Why would you ever expect it to not be troublesome? But when it comes, your roots will be so deep that your tree would never fall over. And even if the tree were to break a branch, because in the natural, when a tree gets damaged in storms, it causes them to stumble. It causes them to not be able to produce fruit probably for at least another year. But even if it breaks a branch, you'll still produce fruit. Hallelujah to that. That's God. That's where we're at. That's where you're going as a Christian. So when you're being shaved like the diamond, or you're in the middle of a dry spell like we just came out of the last few years, 
There is a purpose for your drought. He wants you to seek Him. The more you dig down in the dirt, the more you're going to find Him. And eventually, you'll be so tapped into that water that you will never stumble like that. You will produce fruit even in the worst of circumstances. The number one thing that I've found that causes you to not produce fruit in the natural on a tree is the lack of pruning. Isn't that funny? Everybody know what pruning is? <laughs> it's where God takes them, the loppers, the tree loppers, and he, he clips off one of your limbs. Does that feel good when he does it? No, but that enables you to do what? It produces fruit. It focuses the nourishment that you get from the aquifer that comes through the roots that hits the heart of the tree. The fruit comes out of the heart of the tree, but it's fed by the aquifer that's connected to your roots, comes through the heart, comes out the branches, and it drops its fruit. Lack of pruning means you have branches going everywhere. And you are out of control. You have nothing... Focused. There's no focus. God, I promise you, will take the loppers and He will start nipping them things off. And it's going to hurt for a little while, but there's a purpose for it. Okay? Well, I'm done. I don't know if if what I've preached about... Go ahead and come on up, Chris. If what I've preached about tonight has sunk to a different level than you ever thought possible, you know, keep striving. Last time I shared the video, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't turn your roots, even if it's not... I don't think it's possible, but don't turn your root toward the sky in seeking easier water to get to. You just keep digging in God's Word. You keep digging in the soil. I promise you, you're going to find some water. And it's going to sustain you. If you're struggling, count on the fact that God knows your struggle and He's right now He's taking that knife and He's shaving you off. But it's for a purpose. He's got you in mind to shine His glory. Because when we're weak, He is strong. When we produce strength in our own life, he produ- it makes Him look weak. Because He doesn't matter in our life if we're the one that's strong. But when people see us struggling and then all of a sudden, God's light just, bah, it just bursts on them, man, they, they, they can't describe it. They sit there and say, wow, that had to be God. Because I know that person. So if you're struggling, just keep going. Keep seeking God. If you haven't been saved, come tonight. Find that moment of repentance in your heart. God wants you to be saved. He set aside 
for you to do good works. The fruits that would come out of you, He set them aside for you. Come and fulfill that today. I beg you in Jesus' name, come and be saved today.